right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Six Feet Under Exhumed. I am Carrie the Mortician. I'm Faith, that mortuary professor. We are starting episode five um, of season one of Six Feet Under. So we're rewatching the entire series. And today we're going to talk about episode five. It's called An Open Book. And this one I've been waiting for because I remembered maybe mm-hmm. because it's boobs, boobs everywhere. Yeah. And that's why I remembered this episode. Um, but that's, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know where in the first season it was. So mm-hmm. we start with the lovely, I can't remember her name. Oh my gosh. Getting Vivica St. John. Or Vivica, Vis- yeah, is that what it yeah is? it's yeah. Vivica something. Uh-huh. And she's getting ready for a date, talking to her cat and talking about the man she's going to go on a date with. And you see these pinup pictures all over. You don't realize they're actually her mm-hmm. from her heyday of being a porn star. And we kind of find yep. that out later. But so there are a lot of boobs, her boobs in this episode. Uh-huh. Um, that are shown, but she ends up getting electrocuted because her cat kicks her uh, radio curlers. curlers. Oh, is it her curlers? Her is that curlers. Yeah. I was thinking it was radio too. As a radio, it's cur- it is. It's those electric curlers. curlers right. And she gets electrocuted and dies. So that's kind of the start of all of this. And she is just herself that is such a personality. And I just, I wish she as a character was you know, kind of talking more in it because yeah. she is so sassy and she's like, I am such a hot biatch yeah. getting ready. And he's going to be so lucky that he's going out with me. And I'm like, oh, can you give me some of that? Right? Because some of that. girl, get it. Right. Yeah. Get it. So. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's really something. Um, and then she's down in the prep room, you know, and they're getting her ready. And David has no idea who she is. Not a clue. Not yeah, he's meeting with the, I don't even, they never even say who this man is, but he is someone who's in the eulogy says, I was lucky enough to ever have slept with her. Yeah. He's paying for everything for this funeral. And he's like, she maybe was he's like her manager or something. Maybe. But he's like, don't you know who she is? And David's like, of course. And we will give her the star treatment. And then, yeah, he goes to the preparation room and is yeah. like, no who idea. is this? Yeah. And then Nate comes down and sees her and is like, hey, oh, oh my God, God that's it this is. porn star. And then yeah. he and Rico are talking about like all this stuff that she would do on her videos. And um, and it's pretty entertaining, just kind of just the. Yeah, they go through the whole like, yeah. oh, she did 30 guys on one thing and blah, blah, blah. And then they're looking at her breasts because she has fake breasts, but one ha- one is still large and perky and the other is deflated to the side almost they never say what's going on but one is migrated much migrated and Mm -hmm. so that becomes a discussion throughout as to how are they going to do this because they say absolutely no bra we want her shown and them to be amazing and so federico's restoration this time is having to make these breasts because they are characters themselves throughout this episode is how to make these breasts perfect how to make them not like one's like this and one's like yes because they're crazy (laughs) yeah when you just look at them but it's life it's what happens like perfect boobs do not well when you lay down anyway they're gonna go into your armpits they don't i mean even if they are fake there's still gravity right 
So yeah, that becomes, gosh, I just, I love this episode because it is such a, it is a sexual episode in some ways, but it's not the main focus, but it's this right. little underlying because she's a porn star and you know mm-hmm. that the, the funeral is going to have this porn star theme-y kind of thing to it. And, um, you know, then we got, uh, I want to say Rachel, but it's that's her name in real life, Brenda, Brenda. and um, he goes to visit her at her parents' house and mm-hmm. she's in the pool. So then they're all in the pool yeah. starting to get busy when the parents show up. And so he gets to meet the parents who are these psychiatrists. Yeah, and- not famous, but they are supposedly kind of well-known, successful, yes. whatever, psychiatrists. Yeah. Uh, and they have this nice house and, you know, they're just really, really strange people. Um, but I don't well, know. It's Bo just- Derek. Isn't it Bo Derek? Oh. Who is that? The mother? Yeah, she is. Isn't Bo Derek dead? No. Oh, I think no. she just died. We're going to have to. Oh, of course, now we're IMDBing this. Yeah, someone is screaming at us right now. Uh, uh, okay, we'll look that up on the side. But yeah, so um, they're there. And oh, actually, I think. Joanna it's, Cassidy. Is it's name. the lady. She was in uh, my baby. Um, my babysitter's dad. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dad or whatever. I think. Oh, she- was she? She was in Dallas. Oh, yeah. She played, I think, the boss in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dad, I feel like. Maybe. Oh, how did you look that up so fast? It. I mean, I hold on. I can't, you can't do anything without. Oh, I'm going to totally dive into this. She reminds me of. Bo Derek though, but no, I don't think Bo Derek's dead because she's she dates um she's with uh Aiden from Six Feet Under or not Six no. Feet Under, um, Sex, Sex in the City yeah Bo Derek I think so maybe Joanna Cassidy has been in oh my gosh so many things um this is all oh TV. Derek here we go we're diving in. We're taking a sideways turn to Bo Derek. Yeah, she's been with John. She married John Corbett in 2020. How old is Bo Derek? Yeah, that's crazy. She's got to be in her 70s. Oh, Bo Derek. Yeah, she's she's a bit older. She was okay. born in. Um. Well, I don't know. Her main movie was. In 1979, that 10 movie. Um, let's see, when was she born? I currently have four 10 year old little girls running around my house. Oh, she was born in 1956. So oh, all right. 40, 50, 60. She's almost yeah. 70. Yeah, she looks hella good for yeah. that. So Joanna Cassidy was in NCIS. She was, oh my God, so many other things. I'm just going to list things I've even heard of. Law and Order. So many. Kiss the Bride, The Grudge, uh, Ghost Whisperer, Criminal Minds, Bones, Boston Legal, Six Feet Under. uh, That's wild. God. A bunch of stuff. Just like, yeah, so many. Well, so there you go. Things, yeah. Thought they were Blade Thought. Runner. 
one in the same that's not one in the same but i thought that's who it was for a second but yeah so we meet these parents and it's Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Yeah, that's she was on that one. Anyway, we took a well, huge anyway. sideline. Oh my goodness. Sorry, guys. Segway, sideline, left turn, whatever you want to call it. But so yeah, we meet the parents and they're like, let's have a drink. And then um, you know, they hang out a little bit and stuff. And we find out later that, you know, the mom and dad tell him later in the episode because he shows up to go to dinner over there and brenda's not there yeah she, they invite him to dinner and he assumes that brenda's going to be there and then he goes to have dinner at their house and she's not not invited. there and Very his strange. parents her parents say do you not understand she's a master manipulator like everything that happens is because she wants it to happen that way like you didn't show up at the house that day and us surprisingly show up like she wanted you here because she knew we were coming home and you didn't show up for dinner without her here without her having planned that like she 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 lays it all out specifically for reasons and we find out she is a genius like over yeah. 180 um iq and she has written this wild book or this book is written around they her. The, yeah there's a book written about her um about you know what she was like as a child and but i yeah i thought that was i mean i couldn't imagine just telling somebody so, saying that about my own child even if it was true it's, like i was like dang it's weird it's a weird obviously family dynamic it is weird there. but it kind of already sets the tone for the family for that family and those dynamics because you're like who do you even believe it's you all know, it's a lot all of it it's very strange and yeah and then they talk about so so the episode before we neglected to mention that that nate notices that brenda has a tattoo yeah, um, that was like the first or second episode yeah oh nathaniel yeah. tattoo it's a tattoo that says nathaniel and so when he's at dinner he asks her parents if that name has any significance because yeah. you know it's his name and he thinks it's weird and it turns out that it's a character from this book series nathaniel and isabel that was was one of her favorite um book series as a child so you know it's she did not get a tattoo of nate's name because but then we then but, we find out later we'll just fast forward on this storyline mm -hmm. to the end he shows up at her house i mean so he calls her his girlfriend at one point because she's like what are we even doing and mm -hmm. she can't really say it she uh, her non-committal is like oh we're just screwing, right. we're doing whatever and he's like you're my girlfriend kind of thing but then they get back to her house after that and they walk in and out walks jeremy sisto in this towel that how did they get it to stay so perfectly so low on him i'm not quite sure oh, i don't know it's very yeah and she like ignores the fact that there's this half naked man standing there doesn't introduce him to nate yeah she's doesn't, like oh, okay bye and, walks and she just walks room. into the other room yeah and the guy's like more. how are you and nate's like I'm good thanks basically yeah. and we find out it is her brother and mm -hmm. this is our first introduction to her brother and then when he turns to walk away we see that he has the 
other name of mm-hmm. the book title. What was it? Isabel? Nathaniel and, and Isabel. Mm-hmm. And he has Isabel on his back and she has Nathaniel on her back. So it's kind of a brother-sister tattoo thing. Yeah. She used to read the book to him and all of this. So like all of that kind of comes like, oh. But it's weird because it's like, it's it's normal, but it's not at the same time. Like you still, like you're like, oh, okay, that's her brother. It's not some like some boyfriend or some other man yeah. that you know. And, and the name Nathaniel's from a book, but it still just feels off. It so it does a really good job of like showing you the, the the other brother and sister they you know it's nothing crazy but it's still something crazy it's just not feels a little icky thought yeah, yeah it feels a little does. icky something it feels feel icky, icky there so like yeah they totally. set it up for that storyline like that's li- really how it ends that whole yeah. episode but that's kind of that storyline arc across that is you know the parents are introduced and then so we find out all this about brenda brenda really Mm -hmm. opens up in this episode we find all this stuff so at the beginning last episode ruth had said david now that your father is dead you really need to take me to church once in a while after she gives him ninety three thousand dollars right you should take what's he gonna do say no exactly (laughs) and so she kind of guilts him into it but I think it's also an interesting old archaic that you need to escort the widow to church. Yes. So I kind of love that she is so prim and proper old school in some ways, but then other ways she is so saucy. Under well, she is just repressed. I mean, you can tell she didn't doesn't want to be the way she is, but that's yeah. just how she was brought up to be but it's not really who she really is and so it's it's, ruth on open on the open road and see what happens that's what we i think is going to happen with ruth but so and then we're and we're at church we run into tracy crazy tracy so she does come back in this storyline and um yeah we don't know the full motive if she's just hitting on david if she's stalking him it feels like she's kind of stalking him a little bit i mean she keeps showing up where he she keeps is. Keeps showing up wherever he is, and not not where other people are. So I feel like maybe she thinks that he's just like some single guy and Hot single man on the prowl. Yeah, I guess probably it. But she's, well, and she says something like, either she says, "Are you taken?" and he says, "Yes," mm-hmm. or "I have a girl," or "Do you have a girlfriend?" and he says, "Yes, that's it," or something. And she says, "Oh, well, people, you know, our age, it's hard to find people because they're either gay or taken." But yeah, I guess at least you've got a girlfriend and you're not gay. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy laugh or whatever she says. So yeah well it's like is she coming back again is she not but you already said last time that somebody's gonna die in her family so that'll yeah, be if she does come back a couple of times i don't remember when when but she does not she's not gone forever oh she's such a great character she's so funny she's yeah, such a she is she was on an episode of ncis i remember back in the day and um I always think of that whenever I see the mm-hmm. two is is because that's the only other thing I remember her ever being on or yeah. seeing her in. And so she plays crazy so good in the show. It's, it's so She's fun. Amazing. So yeah, they ask him to be a deacon. And then mm-hmm. he goes to his man and is like, hey, maybe I should do this. It's good for business. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but do they know you're gay? And yeah. I don't know. And so it becomes another big conversation about when are you going to be comfortable with who you are? When are you going to yeah. not hide it and 
we already go to church together. Yep. You know, we why don't we just church and, keep yeah. going there if you're not it's, accepted? Yeah, it's difficult, you know, in, in queer relationships when one person is out and the other person isn't or doesn't want to be as um as out i guess um and so it's it's definitely realistic you know especially back then it wasn't it, it was different even 20 years yeah. ago and just to kind of see that david wants to be out mm -hmm. and he does things that you know show that that's the direction he's moving but he still has a lot of conflicting feelings and i think they handle this really well you know honestly because they don't um they don't make david the bad guy no for feeling the things that he feels you know he was raised in a traditional home he's a, a member of a traditional church he has what we would consider a traditional job even though there's a lot of gay people in funeral service if you didn't so many i mean we're everywhere but we're there too and so you know it just um I think they handle it well because they don't make him seem like they, they really show that struggle without it being, you know, he's a jackass for not just being this way because yeah. those are really, really difficult, you know, things, um, you know, especially 20 years ago, even, even, you know, it's different even 20 years ago. And Keith is a lot farther along in his, you know, being comfortable with who he is. Mm -hmm. And it's, and so you can really empathize with both characters because, you know, David is is just not sure how that's going to implode his life. And he has all these fears that things are going to, you know, there's going to be consequences to it. And Keith has already gone through that and already lived that. And yeah. he is tired of having to continuously come back to that stage of, you know, coming out as a, as a gay person. And he's beyond that. And he just wants to live his life. Um, and so they're just in different, different places with it. And, you know, it's, it's handled well. I think. Well, and David has had to play this role for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the best way to say it is because he's had to be the dutiful son and the businessman and the funeral director staying in the corner with your hands crossed, you know, running things silently from the back and the, the son who stays around and is going to take over the business and does all the right things and attends the right church and speaks to the right people. But he also is somebody who wants to be in a relationship and be in love. But yeah. I don't think, I think he feels like he has to choose one or the other mm -hmm. and isn't quite there. And so he does come out to Nate in this episode because yeah. Nate and Brenda see him and Keith out together. And he says, Oh, aren't you guys partners? And David takes, you know, Keith's hand and says, yes, we are partners. And he's like, yeah. Oh, Oh, and like, uh, he's so walk away. Doesn't know what to say. And then he's like, I think David's gay. It's like, really? And you Brenda's, but Brenda's like, uh, did you get a look at the yeah. man he is with? Right? Like, yum kind of thing. But then later, at church mm -hmm. after he gets appointed as a deacon and now he has to play this new dutiful role mm -hmm. nate says hey where's keith and he goes why would he be here he's just my friend right yep and it's like one step forward five steps back yep. and it's you know you just keep waiting for him to fully embrace and waiting for that to get there but it's just not going to happen very soon for him. I think we're going to really battle this battle for a while and uh -huh. 
God bless Keith for having any patience for him. Oh, yeah. Because he is a good looking sure. officer, wears a uniform. I mean, he could go out he and could, move on quite, quite easily. Mm -hmm. But yet, we're going to sit here and, you okay. know, struggle along with David yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. So. I think he was afraid that someone would overhear that at church because that when Nate asked where right. Keith was, they were at church. And I think that that was like, he was like, oh my God, don't say that here. Yeah. Kind like, of don't, thing. don't bust yeah. him out. Yeah. It was, it was, it was kind of, kind of sad. You know, so I see that when he's in the interview though, um, so he's being interviewed um, about, you know, being a deacon by the, yeah. by the priest. And I don't know who the other guy is, if he's, I don't know who he is, but some arch whatever somebody else in the church i don't know what the you know what i mean is he yeah i think he's just from the board they said or something is he or from the board the, somebody yeah yeah and he's like um is there anything else you think we should know about you mm -hmm. and david's just like is there something you want to ask me so it's kind of this like implication that they that they suspect yeah but they want to give him an option to tell them but he's not going to tell them but he, he'll he give him an op the option to ask and it's kind yeah. of just like this standoff you know is yeah. there anything you want to tell us and he's like no is there something you want to know and they're like no <laughs> and that's it you know yeah they're it's like so. they're ch he, they're challenging him but he's challenging them back and nobody wants to say it yep now we talk, we go into then the Ruth and Claire relationship a lot in this episode too. And I love it because it really develops and grows, but it's not in the way any normal, I guess it is more normal than the the other. But so she, Ruth shows up and says, I rented some videos. Let's watch some videos together. Tapes and she pops out, yeah, the VHS yeah. tapes. And I was like, oh my goodness, the VHS right? tapes. And you know she says i'm not that's just not going to be us mom kind of thing and then ruth comes back around later and she says pack your bags we're going and yeah. she's like, where are we going and they're going to it's her cousin's house her cousin's or house they're going to visit her cousin somewhere and they go to this cousin's house and it is a mom and daughter duo the mom is divorced from the daughter's dad and they are yes gag me almost to like perfectly oh i love you and i love you and we're perfect together and we're gonna yes. go to spin class and we don't eat our carbs and yes the, the friends and i love living with my mom and i love this and claire and ruth are both looking at each other like what in the hell is wrong with you like you like yeah, like, yeah. In in theory, that sounds like a good relationship until you actually see it, and it's just almost too much. It's yes, and it kind of comes out. You know, they ask Ruth and Claire, "Oh, how are you guys doing since the death?" And she says, "I'm sad, basically," and kind of talks. And then her cousins, "Oh, yeah, it was really hard for me, but my daughter pulled me out of it." And she's like, "Yeah, but he's not dead. Like, yeah, he can be a." her her dad's going to be at her wedding and at right. her graduation and if you need to call him he's there like my husband's dead he's right. gone claire has no father there's nobody to walk her down like kind of lays it out in the other yeah. the cousins like yeah but it is really kind of the same i think people think that until they experience it yeah i think that when people say that they are trying to to say something good they it's coming from a good place they're trying to make the person feel like they're understood 
yeah. or like their feelings are, you know, are seen and heard. But oftentimes the way that people do that isn't, <laughs> it isn't, doesn't land because it's not the same, you know, um, it, it's just not. And, you know, so, I mean, it's just kind of a, another thing in the show that, that they do so well is they show how people that are in grief Mm -hmm. are treated by other people who think that they're saying the right things and doing the right things, but it it doesn't quite have the effect they think it's going to have. Because, you know, this this cousin is trying to make Ruth feel like she understands and she's got right. support. And, you could you know, get through it. Yeah, Look at us. We got but, through it. But it's not, it's like when a, when you have someone that has a miscarriage and you say, oh, well, but you can have other children. Or I had, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you know, this or this. And it's like, it's, you don't have to, um, when, when you're talking to, to somebody that's grieving, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell them what happened in your life that that's similar. You don't have to, unless it's identical, you know, you don't have to tell them. They don't need to hear that they're going to be better in time. They that's not. They don't need. That's not what they need. Your job and, is not to fix their situation yeah. or make them feel better. Just yeah. make them not feel alone by just yeah. being present with them. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you over talk, not sometimes, mm -hmm. most of the time people over talk and they mm -hmm. say hurtful things Yeah, and you're not meaning to be hurtful. And that's one thing, like when I meet with some families, depending on the scenario, I'll say, you know, people are going to say things to you. Yep. They're going to sting and they're going to hurt. And you're going to wonder why they're being hurtful in this moment, but they're saying things because they're trying to help you. They're trying to love on you and there are no right words. Yep. And so everything sounds like the wrong words because there's no right words, but there's people no right just words. keep talking and they're like, yeah, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said. And I'm like, they're not I trying to hurt it. you. They're, not, they're just, yeah. they're trying to connect with you. They're trying to love you somehow. And it's all comes out wrong. I'm like, so you just have to have grace with other people because there's no, they're uncomfortable with the the situation, especially if it's a baby or if it's, yeah. you know, something a little extra like that, they, they don't know what to do. And yeah, it play. And so you see that and they're like, it's fine. Tomorrow we'll get up and go to the 6am spin class and you'll be fine. So then we see Ruth and Claire literally sneaking out of the house and I running to the green hearse. That's exactly what my daughter and I would do. We'd at like 5.30am. Like yep. Like get up. We got to go. And Absolutely. so they they bond through the, oh my God, we don't want to be like them. Yes. Thing. And they have that discussion when they get home, basically like, we're never going to have that relationship, but it's okay. We don't want that relationship. Yeah. I mean, the the you can be the people you are and still, I, I go through my daughter's eight. I go through that with her because I am not a traditional mom and she is a very precocious eight-year-old and like- <laughs> the things, excuse me, that like her friends and their moms do, like we would be miserable. And yeah. instead of trying to, and I tried all that, you know, when she was little, we had took her to dance and gymnastics and all that, you know, all that stuff. And she hated it and I hated it. And, you know, and, and now it, it's very, you know, I, I resonate a lot with that because it's more about being the people that you are mm -hmm. and having the relationship, you know, that you are. So we do the things that we like to do and it may not be, what other mothers and daughters like to do, but it, it, it's still just about having that relationship. And yeah. so it's cool to see like Ruth and Claire just kind of be like, 
we can have a good relationship but still be authentic to who we are we don't it doesn't have to look like going to spin class that, and being on yeah. a diet and weighing each other and all the crazy stuff you know well and, and claire's going to the therapist during this the course of this because mm -hmm. i think her mom is at the therapist one of the days with her and then mm -hmm. she's at the therapist at the end kind of where her arc in this one ends is she's telling the therapist my mom's sad like she's so sad and i you see her viewing her mom at one point and she's off in the other room and she's just looking at her and she looks lost and she looks sad and you can see claire i think it finally resonates with her like the pain her mom is going through right yeah. and she tells the therapist that like my mom is sad and i don't know what to do and that is hard for me and i keep i've said this this last week and i've read it a couple of times online recently that we have to remember that as we're living our lives our parents are living yes. their their first time as well so yes. this is the first time your parents are doing what they're doing as well so yeah. if they're in new relationships if they're going through a loss if they're what you think is messing up this is their first time doing all of it so mm -hmm. just because you believe your life is you know oh but you don't know what it's like to be me nope but you don't know what it's like to be them and this is their first time parenting a 15 year old and two day you know kid so give them some grace for what they're doing because they're doing the best they possibly can in the oh, moment yeah. they're in and so i just think of that and i'm like god if every kid could hear that and understand that I at think a young age but there's you gotta come a time older. yeah until you're older there's gotta you know there and i would say they're they're for most people there comes a time where you see your parents as as just people you know and not these these figures yep. of absolute you know everything and it's just funny because you know like i said my daughter's eight and i don't think she realizes that i'm a person yet i think she just <laughs> thinks that i that i exist to serve her you know um and so it's you know like that that day i think comes for all of us when we're like oh our our parents are just people also they don't inherently have all this you know they they don't know everything they don't they they they're just doing the best they you know that they can and it's i that's why i love that relationship so much because it shows that they're you know that ruth is just a person mm -hmm. um and it shows her children realizing that you know along the way that she's not not just this figure that is it, like I say, you know, I think I do. I sometimes I still think my eight year old thinks that I just exist to wait on her hand and foot and that I don't have my own like life or things that I have to do too, you know. Um, it takes becoming a parent, I think, sometimes does. to realize that. Yeah. Like, there's moments I think about like taking my kid and dropping them off to college, and I literally can't even. Mm -hmm. And so I want to just every single time i'm like and maybe i should when i have those inklings like send my mom a text or call her and say how did you ever let your little babies go yeah. off to school by themselves because that's a very scary little world out there <laughs> i'm just like i can't imagine all these moments that you have to go through i think as a parent and how my mom and dad did it or the times that i yelled i hate you to them yes and now having kids that 
you know, why are you ruining my life? Or why won't you this? Or, you know, or the because I said so, which I love saying, but I remember as a kid, parents saying that and thinking that's such BS, but you then say it later and how I want to apologize for every thing I did back in those days, because you realize later, like, my parents had this whole life that was going on and they put so much aside for us. Mm-hmm. And I think Claire is real realizes some of that and realizes outside of herself some of life that is going on. Yeah. Which I think is amazing to I don't know. They really just represent so many big emotions and big things in the show that No, they they really do. And you know, it's it's I don't know, like you you hear yourself say these things that your parents said and you're like, oh, wow, I, my mother's voice or my father's voice just came out of my mouth. Yeah. You know, like Helena, she gets very dramatic about very, very minor inconveniences. Yep. And I'm just like, it gets a lot worse, girl. Like, you know, yeah, your your favorite sweater isn't clean, but there's a lot worse that's going to happen to you today than that. You have a sweater to put on. Yeah. Be happy because- But I remember that too. Damn it. Oh. If I couldn't wear the shirt I wanted to wear to school that day, I, I could have just, I mean, I didn't want to exist. Yeah. And I had a plan and you've ruined it. You've I know. My whole life. My whole I life know. is over right now. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk porn star funeral oh, for a yeah. second. So this porn star has died. We now have her funeral and it is as amazing as you want it to be. My favorite is that um, Christina from Grey's Anatomy yes. is her best friend co-star in this funeral and is like, you spot her in the crowd and I'm like, wait. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of actors and actresses in this show that it's just like, Oh my gosh. later, you know. So then she gets up and talks and says a little eulogy at the the funeral and then um David is meeting another family from the church because mm-hmm. they've already sent him business from the church and he's meeting with them behind just a little curtain oh, that so opens strange. into the chapel. So I'm like, why would you meet where they can overhear everything. It's bad design of a funeral home. I'm like, what the heck? And she pops in and she goes, her tits look amazing. Great job. And he's like, okay. okay." And he handles it well. Uh (laughs) And like carries on and goes and shows her back in and carries on and stuff. But it was just kind of funny. And so, yeah, Nate goes to Federico and says, what did you do with her boobs? Like, how did you make them? And he says, cat food cans and it's like first of all illegal guys these are terrible terrible choices that's not it garbage you don't put garbage with the deceased Mm -mm. um great ingenuity but you have to do that without yes cat food cans in the in the that is not how it's really done um there are different ways that it is done but it is not done with with cans because once you embalm somebody they will stay in that in that general position so you have to position the crooked boobs before you embalm and then they kind of you know set up like they're supposed to and you can use different ways of doing that um but you're yeah they're they're not gonna just uh be putting cans under somebody's boobs no capo cans no terrible idea but this whole episode ends with it's a scene actually of Nate and Brenda, mm-hmm. and they're having this little discussion about um, 
God or, you know, higher power and everything. And Brenda says, like, you know, life is basically worthless. And I just try and forget that every day. And she like walks away and he's like, yeah, what? And so you see that he believes in a higher power. He never really says it's God, but he believes in something, a, a bigger yeah. power that is over everything. And she basically is like, I'm just here in this meager existence until it's done. And then it, that's it. And so I try and forget that. Yeah. And so you, that's it. And it's like, mic drop and she walks walks away from the conversation so i don't know if that'll become bigger for them or or not i guess we'll see how it plays out so much of this it's been a couple years since i watched it so i love that i remember bits and pieces but i also don't remember a lot of it yeah i think it serves really to show just the fundamental differences in their outlooks of life yeah because that really just is a is a constant theme in in their relationship throughout the show is that they just fundamentally see everything differently so different so different. You know, nate's a lot more not religious but you know spiritual and and more connected with things and brenda's kind of just a free spirit um, live in the moment know, yeah just isn't doesn't really believe in anything or or have any connection really you know to things the way that nate does and just kind of the so it kind of closes with that where it's kind of it's kind of a downer you know of yeah. like oh wow this is a pretty major difference between them mm -hmm. just you know their their complete um their complete difference in in life outlooks you know yeah so i'm excited to see next episode like what the death is in the beginning and who it is because the last two have been so great and they've been kind of saucy mm -hmm. because the fishers are really scraping not scraping the whole bottom of the barrel but they're taking any call that comes along and ruth even questions that and says why are we doing these calls and they're like oh we got to pay for things and these people yeah. are paying us why not and so will the church stuff bring more mainstream funerals are we still going to get some like saucy stuff kind of how is that going to change so it's it'll be interesting to see kind of how that all plays out and what yeah. characters and and situations come along next so i kind of like I, and just one more thing i kind of like that they don't sleep on the fact that it's a business mm -hmm. you know they 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 do you know t david you know mostly but you know they do bring you know conversations and have conversations and you mm -hmm. know about the fact that they have to make money or they don't have a business yep. and i think that's important and i i'm glad that they do that in this show because i i do think it's important that that people watching realize that this is it is a, a small family business there is no federal we don't get payment from the government yep. we don't get payment from the city we don't get payment from uh anybody other than the families that we're serving and if you can't be profitable you don't exist to be there for those families and i think that's just kind of one of those those little parts of funeral service that people get the ick about because it's like well you're how can you charge people money when their parent when somebody dies and they're going through this terrible time and it's like because it costs money to do the job the i mean everything we do somebody has to pay for it's not right. it's not a charity and it's it's there there is no magical funeral you know um funding out there that we get from anyone wouldn't other that be than, lovely wouldn't it be nice and, and i would enjoy you know, that 
that's one of those things I love teaching, you know, in mortuary school is, hey, Social Security doesn't pay for funerals. Guess what? Veterans, they don't pay for your funeral. So if you're listening to this and you are a person, um, you know, that is is considering looking into things, you know, for yourself, look into it now because, you know, a lot of how many veterans families have you met that go, well, the, the VA is going to pay for the service in the casket. Oh, they do the not. It's the saddest thing. They, the think saddest. That, they think that, that because they served in the military that they have funeral benefits and, and there are some, but they're reimbursement based, if anything. So the family has and to pay so first. Minor, and it's very minor. And so that's, minor. I guess, there's, there's my PSA, Carrie. You know, for for watchers and listeners, please look into these things. Um, that's one of the hardest parts about being a funeral director. I would say is how often we have to tell families that have assumed that their their funerals are going to be paid for because they're a veteran or because yeah. social security or because they work for the railroad or because whatever and and that stuff that's an urban legend that does not exist yeah um, so you know that that i i appreciate that they in the show show that that this this is a business we only exist you know yeah. by, and it's not like families. we we're praying people will die for the business people die we're hoping they call us sure that's what i always say because people are like oh so you want people to die so you can pay your bills i'm like no they're dying i just want them to call us yeah i mean oh so it's you, not like i want extra people to die I no not at all call. i mean it's 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 like anything else you know it's a it's a service business that yep. people and and people can choose who they use you're you're not required to use a particular funeral home yeah um and you know it's a it's just like any other business you know if i'm gonna go to to any other service business i'm gonna find one that i like and and you know that i feel comfortable with and and you have the same rights as a funeral consumer to to do that too i think where people kind of get off on this this idea that we're predatory or that we're doing something wrong is because they don't want to spend money on something unexpected like that you know exactly so yeah. but but that doesn't mean that we're predatory or that you you have choices you have options and um you know that again just PSA, you'll probably hear from me a lot during this rewatch. Do your research, you know, yeah. look into funeral homes in your area, find out what benefits you do and don't have, because I, I think you'll be surprised. And I've I've hated so many times having to tell families, yeah, I I I realize that your dad served two years in the military in the in the sixties, but nothing's paid for. They don't they don't pay for that. He can be buried in the national cemetery, but no. All funeral services are the responsibility of the family. So, you know, I had somebody tell me recently that because their loved one was a veteran, they were getting more social security. And I've never heard that. Have you heard that? I've never heard that. I, I take yeah. every, and I've been trying to say it nicely, but I take what families tell me as it's based in truth, but it's probably wrong because here's what happens. This is also something that happens a lot to us as funeral directors. You know, we've gone through school, most of us. We have done this, you know, we're we're experts in these things. But what we yeah. get faced with is, well, my neighbor Sarah's husband's cousin's friend from high school's third grade teacher said when he died 60 years ago in another state in another part of the country that it went like this. So I know that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So you're you're facing all this lore that people come in with that their friends have told them or their somebody has told them, but because they know that 
person, they trust that person. Right. And so whatever they tell them is is true. And most of the time it's it's inaccurate. Well, well, when my cousin died, his whole funeral was paid for by the by the VA. That's what my aunt's sister's grandma's neighbor's sister's dog's groomer told me. <laughs> you Don't know, tell you. it's all yet. Yeah. You know, so just be careful. The groomer. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though, if you're hearing stuff out there from your friends, your neighbors about, about things, take it worth a grain because it's probably not accurate because they don't know, you know, yeah. get the get the real information from from the real experts is all. So, yeah. yeah, I've never heard that. I don't think that's right. Maybe. I mean, but who knows? There's all kinds of individual situations. But um, yeah. Most of the time when people tell me, well, this is how it was, I'm going, that, that's maybe how you think it was or how you remember it, but not quite oh, no. true. No, yeah. Not. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode. Yeah. Check us out next week for episode, gosh, where are we? Next week six. will be, this is six? Well, this is five, so the next one will be six. Well, it'll be episode six, but it'll be our seventh because our intro was- right. It always throw that's going to throw me off. I think the whole time, but episode six of the episode. show, yeah, our seventh recap, right? seventh recap. Yeah. All right, hope you guys Thank are liking you. these and watching along with us. So comment below, share the video if you are excited to follow along and want other people to follow along with you. Um, check out all our social media for that. Mortuary Professor for Carrie the Mortician. We do have an Instagram page for Six Feet Under Exhumed. So if you want to follow along there as well, we'll see you guys on the next one. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.